once you teach them and you show them how to do it and show them how to make a better living, man, together we're all just growing tremendously. Tremendously. So I learned the more that you give to them, the better that the business becomes. You know, it becomes, like I said, a tribe. Give us some food in you. Step three. You grow hard about what you want to be. Step four. Everybody just do your thing. Wake up. Today's going to be a good day. Wake up. Today's going to be a good day. Wake up. Today's going to be a good day. Wake up. What is going on, guys? It's Bobby Walker here with the Journey of a New Entrepreneur. Blah, blah, blah. I'm not editing this stuff. This is Bobby Walker with the Journey of a New Entrepreneur podcast coming at you, not live, but from the No Bitch Zone studios right here in Orlando, Florida. And I actually have another Orlando friend on the show today, Rick Barnett. Can't wait to introduce you to this guy because he's kind of cool and he's just He's just my kind of guy, and I'm going to tell you all about him. He's different than the typical entrepreneur I've had on the show, and he's my kind of entrepreneur. And uh, he actually happens to be, like, right next to my office in our little office complex. So we're, like, we're trying to become, like, best friends or boyfriends. I don't know what we're doing. We're just, we're trying to become <laughs> best buddies. But uh, anyways, so I've got Rick on the show, and we're going to be getting into some very impressive things that he's doing, not just like with single locations, but multiple locations taking over the world and uh, making people a little prettier while he does it. So we'll get into that here in a second. But before we do, guys, I just got to give some love to the girls over at Jill's office jillsoffice.com slash j-n-e you can go over there and tell them bobby sent you what is jill's office well i'm glad you asked because i was just about to tell you anyway it is the world's best virtual receptionist you heard me they are the world's best according to me at the very least but they're amazing i've been using them in my business for a long time i've used them and i've used them intermittently just as i've needed them so back when my business was small and i was the guy on the ladder and my son was on the ladder and we were doing all the work we started using jill's office because they can not only take the calls but if you have responsive bid which you can go to jnebid.com and get the best deal for responsive bid too but if you have responsive bid they can actually give the quotes to your customers on the phone and they're quoting the way you want them to because you built it out. Oh, yeah. And not only can they quote people, but they can close them. They can book them on their schedule on your schedule for you. Or if you just want to keep it simple, they can take a message and pass it along. They're very powerful. They're very awesome. Great customer service. They're all about providing the wow experience for their clients. And you and I are their clients and they do a dang, I was, I wanted to say another word, but they like better language. They do a dang good job when they do that. So guys, check out Jill's office, the amazing receptionist, the our, a virtual receptionist out there, jillsoffice.com slash J N E. Now I've got my boy, Rick Barnett on the show. Rick, how the hell are you, my friend? I'm man, I'm doing amazing. And listen, I'm sold on that. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do I, it. I, I need some of them. I need right. them. <laughs> They're awesome. That's, that's funny. We 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 kind of did the same thing, you know, where I had to have somebody, you know, kind of go through our sales funnel and everything. And um, like what you're just pitching there, I like that's such a good idea and such a needed thing in a business if you want to grow. Yeah. You have to have somebody, you know, fielding those inbound calls and doing that so you can do what else you need to do. But so yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, if you think about it, outsourcing, like, say, taking a call is can be, you know, it varies with the person, varies with the business, can be very similar to outsourcing your bookkeeping, you know, right. Yep. Um, answering the call 
may not be the thing making the money, right? Or at least the way you make the money, you know, your strength might be somewhere else. What you're doing in your business is probably needs to be somewhere else. And especially if you're small, like if you've got a service business and and you got to be the guy doing the work, you got to be on the ladder. You don't want to answer the phone on the ladder. And then if you're, once your business has grown a little bit and you're not the little guy, you can use them like we do, where we use them as an overflow. But at the end of the day, they're phenomenal and they can get you out of a seat where you don't need to be wasting your time. This isn't just a Jill's office commercial. This is just, you know, bookkeeping. Whatever in general, yeah, we, we yeah. learned we learned the same thing. You allow the people to do it. They can do it better than you. Mm-hmm. And if you want to grow, you know, use those use those type of companies to help yourself grow. People think like, oh, I'm going to pay for this or but, mm-hmm. you know, it's another piece to the puzzle that creates growth. And you got to think in terms of that. If you're not always thinking about plugging and playing new ideas into your business, uh, there's no growth. And sometimes, it, you know, sometimes it's just the idea, you know, and, and uh, working to deal with somebody, you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're a shark, hire an eagle to fly, you do the swimming, you know, that's, that's kind of what it comes down to, you know, you go. Love it. Yeah. So, yeah. So Rick, man, you're, you're literally like, you are actually like, I'm assuming you're at your, your main office over there. You're literally yeah. next door to my office over yes. there. You know, you could probably walk over and, and say hi to yeah. some of my people. Yeah. Um, I, I wish I could have come. I just couldn't today. I wish I could have come and recorded with you in your place. Cause you actually have a, well, we, we'll probably do another one day. Cause uh, yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll maybe do one in your, I haven't even told people what you do yet, you know, but maybe yeah. do one in one of your studios, but you got a lot of cool art and stuff and in, in all of your locations and everything. Yeah. And um, here's my, the, the cool thing, Rick, uh, about like our, you know, blossoming relationship. And, and the truth is like, uh, I, I think I can speak for you on this. We, we both really like each other and we're like close to each other. It's just life is busy and we're just, we're just not able to go out and drink beers every night, you know, cause we got life going on and, and we yeah. haven't been able to just hang out. But the reason we've actually met isn't because you moved in next door. It's no. because you actually met my son, Caleb. What was it? what, maybe three years ago or so? Yeah, it was about three or four years ago. Yeah. But yeah, you guys um, uh, you guys came and did some service for me. I think it was uh, maybe some pressure washing mm-hmm. or something like that. Yep. I got to talking to your son. I could tell he was a unique individual. I could tell that you guys were going to be somebody who was going to grow. Uh, and and that's basically kind of how. And then I, I saw your, um, uh, you know, your YouTube channel and I started yeah. watching those and kind of became a fan on my own that way, you know? Yeah. Which is so weird to me. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I just watched them and enjoyed them. You know, I thought, well, what I liked about it is that it seemed like it was just real honest information to help, to really help somebody. Yeah. It seemed like that's why you were really doing it. But I I did, I did get a lot of good information and stuff like that. Even like, um, because I think you were talking about at that time too, that you started having somebody do some of your calling for you and stuff I like that. May, yeah, may have. One of them and I was like, man, I really got to push mine and make it better and, you know, stuff like that. So I think, I, I, I you know, I think uh, you definitely helped me a lot with that. But yeah, then lo and behold, uh, you know, we're growing, growing, growing. We move into an office and I look, I look over and I see TRT and I say, wait a minute, I, I, I know this. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is that guy, Bobby Walker. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then uh, what's your son's name? Kate, Caleb. Kate? Caleb. Yeah. yeah. He comes out and I'm like, Oh my gosh, oh, this mm-hmm. is, this is the guy. I was like, that's crazy how, you know, fate brings you. Yeah. And we, went in and we, we talked, I think we talked for about an hour and just started talking business straight up. Yeah. Just, just hit it off. And I'll tell you what was cool is like, I knew who you were that, that day, you know? And so, you know, yeah. for the, 
you and I know exactly what we're talking about, but for the listeners, you know, like I said, uh, my son, Caleb, uh, you know, ran a sales appointment at Rick's place or, or one of his locations anyway. And, and then, you know, let's say two ish, three ish years later, you move into the space next to mine. So you come over to, to say, hi, you know, Hey, you know, I've used you guys and yeah. met Caleb. Well, the second you introduced yourself, I knew exactly who you were because, you know, Caleb didn't just leave a good impression on you, but you actually left a huge one on him. Cause I remember, I still remember when he was like, dad, I ran the coolest appointment today. I was doing this thing and I was, you know, doing the quote and I start talking to this guy and, well, I guess I'll tell you, know, he's a tattoo artist, you know, which, you know, I'm a obvious, yeah. well, I think it's obvious for, you know, maybe if you've listened to audio only, it's not, but I love tattoos, you know, and I'm like, well, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, and he's doing all this cool stuff. And Caleb was really impressed. And it's one of the things that just once I met you and I remembered who you were, I was like, I like this guy because you were kind and showed some, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Showed my son some interest and, and, and yeah. some care and some love there. And yeah. so, yeah, so that was, that was cool stuff. And since I let the cat out of the bag, I mean, you're just a lowly tattoo artist. I mean, I can't even see your face, you know, actually you're like maybe the only tattoo artist I've ever met that doesn't have at least face tattoos. I don't know if you got anything. Uh, no, I don't, no, I don't have no face tattoos. Yeah. You but the, you know, you got yeah, yeah. You got plenty of ink, but nothing, nothing up yeah. there on the face. No. Um, <clears throat> i'll have no. a head tattoo one day actually I, think so? I i actually do like i'm not even joking and i know a lot of people hate them and what have you that's fine i ain't getting it for you, you suck yeah but um you know I, i'm probably gonna wait until i'm independently wealthy just in case because i know that that can be uh yeah. i'm not good enough to be a tattoo artist so i don't have that to fall back on you know <laughs> what i mean <laughs> but I, I imagine whenever my wife and i are living in the the you know 55 plus community i'm probably i'll probably wind up having a, a head tattoo yeah. or two yeah I, I just think they're coolest i just love tattoos man i just love them. yeah yeah no no definitely you're you're well now it's uh you're in the majority yeah yeah they're socially minority, acceptable today you know? yeah it's it's getting there yeah for sure where it's pretty much everybody getting them i mean we tattoo lots of professionals every single day yeah. so uh, rick speaking of tattoos what does a lowly starving tattoo artists like yourself what are you even doing like in a in a business complex like why don't you why don't you just hang out at your you know tattoo shop on i drive you know probably it's never never cleaned up the bathroom's probably nasty it's never swept yeah. you, 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 you know you're probably hoping someone comes in and gets like a, a a fist tattoo so you can buy some ramen that night you know i'm sure you know the life of a tattoo artist is gonna be really rough and and i really can't even imagine that you have this office complex what what the hell are you doing that you need an office complex for as a tattoo as a starving tattoo artist right yeah yeah well <clears throat> that's good that you say that so we've all heard of a starving artist mm -hmm. most of those artists are starving because they're doing what they're doing for passion mm. not for money yeah most artists are doing what they're doing for passion not money and then what happens is you have crafty business people that come in and same thing with the record labels, everything. And they take advantage of the people with those talents that are doing what they're doing for passion. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of took that step back from that and said, I, I better start forming this as a business. Um, I mean, I'll tell you how I started. Basically, I did. I, I started, you know, same way as everybody did. I was a tattoo artist just working for somebody um, 20 years ago. Uh, I was not, I, I, I was always, I would say this, I was always like, 
kind of clever with business. I always was, you know, kind of talented in that is the way I think yeah. of it. Um, but I was working for somebody and um, at that time, you know, it was really hard to, you know, um, get paid. There was, you know, you were paid under the table, uh, you were paid daily. That's how it was. So, but it went by, like, I think it was like three weeks. Me and this other guy had not been paid. Then finally he gives us a check and he says, just don't cash it until Monday. We're like, okay, we cash it Monday. Obviously it bounces. So at that point I'm like, I'm doing this for free anyways. I might as yeah. well just try to open something. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what pushed me into opening my own studio. Um, and how long were you actually, uh, let, let's say after you were no longer an apprentice, you know, like you're actually doing your own, uh, own ink. Actually tattooing. It how was long almost, was it? It was almost a year. Okay. Almost a year. I had no choice but to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but so I'm, I'm from, I'm from a, uh, you know, illustrator, animator, um, mm -hmm. fine arts background. Yeah. You're an, you're an artist that, yeah. that yeah. got into tattooing. You're not right. yeah. a just i mean i guess all tat all tattoo i don't know all tattoo artists are probably just artists but you you had a career as an artist right prior yeah. to becoming a tattoo yes. artist yes yeah exactly um so so yeah it, it just was a you know the that industry you know fine art and stuff was a little bit it, well it was a lot different than tattooing mm -hmm. okay um uh, tattooing was kind of back then kind of like the wild wild west just kind yeah. of whatever went went in florida there was no regulations really yeah, yeah, yeah. There was absolutely no regular. You could tattoo a four-year-old if you wanted to. There was no regulations. Now I want to. I want to. But it was legal. It was legal. But you know, I want to ask you a couple of tattoo questions. But before I get okay. too far into this, because in, in case we haven't lost <laughs> lost them yet, uh, guys, I do want to tell you this. Rick, uh, you know, definitely was sarcasm when I'm talking about this starving artist. So I want to give a little um, uh, spoiler to say, Rick has a lot. We'll go into all the details. He's got a lot of tattoo shops opening, at least all over Florida and maybe yeah. even other states. He's doing some very impressive things, and we're going to get into the business side of it, but you're just going to have to nerd out with me, guys, for a second on the tattoo yeah. stuff. So I, I just want to say that because we're going to talk tattoos just for a moment. Then we're going to mm -hmm. talk about some impressive business stuff. So sorry, Rick. I just yeah. I, no. I, They needed to know that. So. Good. So, so, yeah, I just, you know, I, I just, you know, Got into it. Um, actually fell in love with it because uh, you just want to think in terms of a fine artist. Now, just think you're working, you're paying your mortgage, you're, you're trying to make a living, you know, you're mm -hmm. doing that. But you're in a studio legitimately, you know, 10, 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's it's you know, there's nobody around, you know. So after a while, you get really, really cracked up. And as a matter of fact, I started having just, you know, uh, really bad depression and anxiety and stuff. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just wasn't happy. I just mm. really wasn't happy. But uh, in, in working with uh, another tattoo artist, I was getting tattoos and, you know, I told him I was an artist and stuff like that. He really never inquired into it. And then one day he went out for a smoke and I went out with him and he was like, so you say you're an artist? I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, I have a painting that just came back from a gallery. Hmm. And when he seen it, he was like, oh, wow, you're a real painter. And I was like, uh, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> so he was like, look, yeah. he's like, look, if you teach me how to draw, and paint like that, I'll teach you how to tattoo. Mm -hmm. um, I really wasn't interested. I'll be honest. I kind of looked down on it. I was like, yeah, I'm not, you know, making no money or whatever, you know, but um, kind of the more I got into it and kind of hung around, obviously I loved, I loved tattoos and I loved, you know, that part of the industry. But what I really liked was once I did a tattoo, then, then I really got it. Yeah. it, it, it you know, you, you're being able to work with a person 
you know, it's not just you're doing a painting and the painting will never mm -hmm. tell you how appreciated it is to itself. But when you do a tattoo on somebody and somebody really is like, oh, wow, I really love this. Thank you. You know, that's why I say artists, yeah. are, artists are doing it for passion. We do it for, you know, that. Yeah. You know, well, that's I believe our it. one source of, you know, why we do it. We're creative and we, and we, and we, we like to, you know, see what people think about our artwork. That's why we're doing it. And well, I couldn't, I mean, I can't imagine, but that's all I can do. Um, you know, I can imagine what it's like. I, I have some creative, you know, bones in me, but I don't think I'm the stereotype of a creative person, you know? Uh, I'm definitely not an artist, you know, for sure, but, um, but I can at least appreciate it, you know, to my degree, you know, and I can look at someone else, you know, like yourself, it's way different than me that is this actual artist. And I can really appreciate like when you express yourself through whatever medium and, and I can imagine what it's like being the person being able to do the expression. You know, I'm sure that's a pretty cool thing for those people, yeah. right? For you people, right? And doing that literally on someone's skin, it's like, you know, the intimacy of that, you know, the, the fact that it's not just on me, but it's going to be here forever. Like, you might be the best person on the planet. You might be the worst person on the planet, but I'm looking at a tattoo on my forearm right now. And every time I look at it for the rest of my life, yeah, I mean, maybe not every time, but I'm going to remember the dude that did it. Like yeah. I shared some time with that guy and he left his mark on me, you know, and yeah. that's, that's just pretty cool. I'll, I'll just say that. Well, I don't have the well, words to, to, to give it credit, well, but that's this pretty is, neat. This is kind of what it is. Tattoos, they do create a little capsule of time. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like when you hear a first, when you hear a song, when you're a kid or something for the first time and you kind of relate to that song. Even as you get older, you still relate back to it. It's kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And especially if the tattoo has meaning, you know, if you're hanging yeah. out with a buddy or whatever, and then you get the tattoo, you'll remember that time. And it, it kind of, you know, it'll bring that, that capsule of time back. Everybody says that I have them too. I have. Yeah. And, and what's crazy is sometimes it can be the goofiest tattoo or not even a great tattoo, but it still mm -hmm. has that meaning. And it's, it's crazy because like, you're right. Like you'll have that tattoo. You'll glance down. It's like, could you imagine if you woke up in the morning and that tattoo was gone? It would yeah. like freak you out. You'd be like, yeah. <laughs> not, not like where'd my tattoo go, but like you get so used to it that it's mm -hmm. actually part of your body. Well, it's, like, a part, it's a part of your identity, you know, like, you like know, a beauty mark or th something exactly. like that. If you woke up yeah. one day and it was gone. You'd be like, where'd that beauty mark go? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? no, that, that is cool. Yeah. So as a, as an artist, Rick, who did it for years and years, I guess a couple decades. Uh, I mean, how long has it been since you have, how long has it been since you're not a regular artist, you know, someone actually tattooing uh, on the day? Um, I'd say about a year and a half, maybe two years. Okay. So but, not that long then. Yeah. But I still, I still, like I tattooed last Saturday. Mm -hmm. um, I tattooed one of my buddies. He wanted to get a tattoo. And so I, I did that, but um, I tattoo for um, the enjoyment of tattooing, um, which most people do, but I mean, purely now, like yeah. not, not you know for money or anything i tattoo for just enjoy being creative and hanging out in a studio i still even though i'm doing what i do now i still go to my studios on a regular basis and say hi and hang out and mm -hmm. talk to the people um i still i still enjoy doing that that's cool well i got a couple of just like tattoo um artist questions and then, okay. then we're gonna get into business okay okay all right so the first one 
is um you were talking about tattoos having meanings you know like you know like my first couple of tattoos, my first two were deeply meaningful, right? You know, and in my mind, I'm like, I'd never get a tattoo if it didn't have all this meaning. Yeah. And then after like the first couple, I'm like, ah, they're cool looking. Let's do it. You know, and I'm just getting what, what looks yeah. cool. As an artist, does it, do you get sick of people? Uh, er, you know, it's so special and meaningful to them and they need it to be to you. And you've done it for 20 years. Do you, I'm not saying you're a jerk about it, but like, you just get to the point where it's like, I get it. It's special. I'm just putting some color on you, bro. <laughs> What's that like? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, everybody has a meaning to their tattoo, even mm -hmm. if they just think it's cool. Yeah. That's the meaning. The meaning is it's cooler. It makes me feel cool. Yeah. Uh, that, that there's always a meaning to it. So, so that'll never go away. Then mm -hmm. that's not going to go away, but uh, yeah, uh, you're the, the people who have meanings or deep meanings or whatever to it. Like you'll hear a lot of uh, tattoo artists say, you know, uh, getting ready to do a therapy session. Oh yeah. It's okay. I've never heard that, but that, yeah, I, we're getting, yeah, I'm getting, yeah. Like once another, we're like, okay, getting ready to go do a therapy uh, session, mm -hmm. you know, and, I, I don't know. We don't know why exactly I have, you know, after 20 years, I kind of have an idea of why I think somebody has something like as a meaning, but then they want to share it to you. Yeah. Like they have to tell you like, Hey, this is why I got it. Mm -hmm. And they tell you the whole thing. And we're just thinking that it's really to make it so that they feel comfortable because they're, you know, uncomfortable yeah. with the pain or, or being nervous or whatever it is. But um, I think that's where that comes from, where people are like, okay, everything has a meaning. Okay. He's going to tell me the meaning he's going to, I think it's just a nervous thing or, yeah. or whatever that people have, but. Well, I know for, I did it, you know, and like, I look yeah, back now yeah. and I'm, I, you know, I'm kind of like, it's kind of funny now, but I did it too. But I, you know, for me, I, I'm sure it's not for everyone, but I think I'm probably, you know, in a large group that's typical out there is, you know, you're like there was a lot of taboo. Well, there's just, there was a lot of taboo in general, you know, with tattoos forever. But, uh, and then I was like in this, you know, extremely religious, uh, you know, oh, yeah. bubble, which made it worse. And I, when, even when wanted did you, to, when did you get your first tattoo? When, how long oh, ago? Oh God, not that long ago. Um, six years, give or take. Okay. You know, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember I was down in Fort Lauderdale and, um, uh, so anyway, I go down there and I, I, I'm just like, it meant so much, you know, because like, and it was like, uh, uh, is it's this, um, you know, homage to my, uh, a memorial to my, my grandfather. Right. You know, so it was like super special. And then my next tattoo, like it was my daughter's name, you know, and then the next one's like this grim reaper on my chest. And I just have to let the artist know that I just, every day when I wake up, I just want to look in the mirror and I want to see death challenging me saying, make my work worth it the day i've got to come get you you know make it work. well that's all cool to me but it's like not cool to anyone else when i share it yeah. you know what i mean and i'm like this day uh and that guy he even called me a bitch you know it was like three 12-hour sessions and he called me a bitch on one of them which truth be told he was absolutely right it was so painful that i i've got one big you know you maybe have seen it under a tank top but i've got like one peck, you know up into my shoulder that's just you know this big grim reaper i thought i would do something cool on the other side screw that <laughs> shit <laughs> it hurts so bad when you're when your tattoo artist calls you a bitch you know <laughs> and then, let me ask you a question and so then kind of as you got more they kind of like they 
you didn't really need them. You didn't meaning for it. I don't, yeah, no. I didn't. You know, they're not as ex- yeah. they're, they're still very exciting, but they're they're not novel anymore. Yeah. You know, what I mean, at first it was like the first couple, the first one. You know, you're you're like breaking into a new yeah stratosphere. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like it's a so, big deal. You know, let me let me give you an example as to both worlds. So fine art, people who are buying art. Okay, mm-hmm. when you first purchase art, it's the same way. Hmm. Somebody's going to see a painting of something and be like, oh, wow, I love that painting of that. The roses with the garden and the little house reminds me of where I grew up. And and that's what you're doing at first, even with a tattooing. But as you continue to 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 buy more artwork or to get more artwork on your body, you become what's a collector. Hmm. And so now it doesn't have to have meaning. There's just an appreciation for the art. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to remember the palm tree now. I just like that, that, that painting. So I'm going to buy it. You know, I like this design. I like this idea. I like this image. I'm just going to get it tattooed. So that's what happens with people yeah. who continue to get them. They become what we call collectors. It's no longer just there's a, a meaning behind it. You're yeah. just collecting the artwork for the enjoyment and the appreciation of art, really. Yeah. And that's why I tell people right now, tattooing is the renaissance of traditional art. And what I mean by that mm. is, what I mean by that is, is, I think tattooing is the number one collected uh, traditional medium in the world right now. I don't believe it's oil painting. I don't believe it's watercolor. I don't believe it's acrylic. I don't believe it's digital media. I, well, digital media is not traditional. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like you, it is like you could, but the point is, is whatever I do digitally, I can make a print and make another print, another print. And it's yeah, exactly yeah. There is no original. So when I say traditional, I mean like original, traditional, mm-hmm. actually on something. I think tattooing right now is the world's number one collected art. I I could believe sure. that. I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know the culture of tattoos outside of my own, but if it's anything similar, I would absolutely yeah. agree. Well, know? the thing is this too. When's the last time you bought a pan? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't. When's the last time? When's the last time your buddy or somebody yeah. else bought? Then you, you now apply that to when's the last time my buddy got a tattoo or exactly. I got. A tattoo. Yeah. I just think it's the number one collected thing. You know, right. And I wouldn't be surprised. I believe him. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this, so this next one is not a question. It's just kind of more of a, uh, I don't know. Maybe there's a question. Maybe you can be brief on this one so we can get in. Okay. Because this one's not as important. But I remember when I was a kid, you know, so a lot of people listening, all you bastards in your 20s, when I say I'm not that old, I know you chuckle, but. (laughs) <laughs> I'll whoop your ass if you do it to my face. I'm kidding. I, I love y'all. You're, you're good. You, you kids. I love y'all. Um, but like when I was a kid, tattoos were on bad people. So like, I'm not that old, you know, I'm 44 years old mm-hmm. in my lifetime. So clearly in yours, you know, yeah. where we're roughly the same age, uh, bad, it went from bad people get tattoos to, I'm kind of surprised we're not seeing politicians and, you know, in the Senate or <laughs> have them just yet. And we probably will yeah. soon. You know, it's like everyone has them now. Disney world, who's just a few minutes you know, yep. from us now allows cast members to have visible tattoos. Right. So, yep. so it's very mainstream. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, obviously you saw it, you've observed it. Do you have any, any thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think, well, okay. I can tell you when I started, it really kind of was that way. It was people that were, you know, uh, I don't want to say they were like terrible, but they weren't, they weren't the greatest. They were, we were, you know, we were on the the fringe, you know, of everything. We yeah. were the 
hard edge kind of guys or yeah, the rebels. Yeah, exactly. Your motorcycle guys. Um, you know, back then if you drove a motorcycle, you were kind yeah. of a tough kind of person or whatever. Um, and that is, that is the way that it was. And, um, uh, I, I just think that that's the way that the medium was. I don't think people were willing to commit to, uh, something on their body forever. Mm -hmm. Like the people who, you know, kind of the outsider stood for something kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, the outside people who, people who don't fit in the bubble, they're more likely to commit and commit heavily to something Mm -hmm. than the people just kind of passing through, you know? And especially something that's divisive because, you know, if you feel you're on the outskirts, um, you know, burning the ship kind of makes you feel a little more part of that separated group. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like, yeah. And then so, so yeah, you had, you had a portion of those people that were those guys, but then at best you had the military guys. You know, I mean, they had a job, they they were standing up for something, uh, they had money. Um, <laughs> but again, you see that same pattern, you know, it was a brotherhood or an outsider, you know, or some, you know, outside of the norm, but inside of something that was, you know, outside of the norm, you know what I mean? But yeah. their little brotherhood. So a lot of military got uh, tattooed at the time. They still do. They still do. Um, but so, yeah, I think, you know, I think that's really where the culture was and that's really what it was about yeah um kind of the outsider and the person doing it doing it the way they wanted to do it and kind of not really fitting mainstream norms yeah i think people that were getting it but you're right it it has changed now mm -hmm. dramatically it has changed it is mainstream now when disney world lets their employees have visible tattoos i mean i mean they're not going to they're they're the most mayberry vanilla you know make everyone happy company on the planet that tells you where it's come within our culture yeah so you want to think you want to think back not even you know you want to think back like let's just say six to ten years but definitely starting at six uh uh if i was tattooing ten people i'd say eight of them were men Mm -hmm. um maybe two of them were women yeah well in this industry now uh, statistically girls get tattooed three times more than guys now. No kidding. I did not know that. Yeah. Huh. It has changed and changed dramatically. Yeah. Well, here, here's my little, uh, funny, humorous to me, anecdote on, on it changing. Then we'll move to a new subject, but, uh, <laughs> so I always, uh, I don't know. This was in the early two thousands. I don't know. I, I was playing Xbox live on like the, original xbox and xbox 360 for those that know whenever that was okay so it's like during that time i'm playing video games online and i'm on forums online and you know just doing this stuff and these people i always see them saying um like ftw you know and they'll say ftw in the comments and and like it would be like a positive you know message going back and forth with a bunch of people and someone would throw in ftw with an exclamation point i'm thinking what the hell are they doing this? Like, why are, why are these guys that are otherwise nice being so nasty, you know? And the reason I thought it was, you know, I've learned since that FTW stood for, for the win, you know, and all right, for the win, you know, and, but me at probably age six, seven, I don't know. I just, I remember I'm sitting on 
some stranger's front porch of a sing- little bitty single wide trailer in the countryside of Oklahoma, right? Like Poorville, you, probably what you would imagine all of West Virginia looks like. That's that's where I was. Okay, <laughs> yeah, Poorville, USA, right? And um, I'm just sitting on this porch. I don't even know who this dude is, but you know, just just some other guy getting drugs at the same place my mom was going to get drugs and I'm sitting out front, you know, just talking to some stranger and he's got tattoos all over him and I'm sure they're horrible looking. I, I would imagine, you know, I bet you they probably weren't good ones, but he had this uh, little, you know, it was just a planet you know, the earth, you know, on his arm. And then it said FTW. And I said, well, what's FTW? And he goes, well, it stands for fuck the world. And I was, and you know, those are the people I hung out with when I was, you know, seven. And I, so my whole life, I, I just like, okay, that's what that stood for. And then when I saw these other people, I, yeah. someone would be like, dude, I just passed the test. And I, past my college class and someone would be saying <laughs> fuck the world and i'm like what is going on what are people doing <laughs> so anyways that, that was my my funny tattoo story so uh i don't drop that bomb a whole lot anywhere on the show but yeah, I, I was overdue i was overdue all right so rick we, we've made it this far man I, I i need to give the guy the people some stuff they want here um let's talk business man so uh you're, okay. you're definitely not a starving artist so why don't you just tell the people, you know, you're not a tattoo artist anymore, at least not just that, I should say. Tell people what right, you're yeah. doing, what this, what, what is this, this, uh, I, it's just an awesome thing. I just don't want to say it. What do you got going on in your business and, and why is it unique? Because what you're doing is not new, but maybe why or how or where you're doing it does tend to be a little unique. Yeah, so I think the quickest, easiest way to say it, not that we're going to go that route, is what I'm doing is not new, but it's new in this industry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yep. new in this industry. Um, but but basically, it was from a need of helping people um, that this happened. Um, I, I, I was always into business. I always had, you know, I ended up having uh, multiple studios of my own. And um, uh, I was always trying to grow something, you know, business-wise. Um, I was just always my whole life. I was even that's why I, uh, you know, I was an oil portrait painter and gallery work with gallery. I built a business that way, too. But basically what happened was so I tattooed for, let's say, X amount of years. Um, I'd say at this time it was maybe 15, 15 years. But I had people that would work with me, artists that came and would work with me. Um, I'd help them get better at their artwork and stuff like that. And then you know, uh, tattooers are in general in the industry, they're uh, 1099 contractors. Yep. Uh, so at some point, you know, they have a shelf life. You know, I, I would watch those patterns. I'd watch that little swim chart of what they would do. This year they do this. At year three, they do this. At year five, they do this. At You know, but they would always, you know, at a, at a particular year say, I want to own my own slice of the pie. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you've taught me everything. I enjoy what you've taught me. Um, and they would actually le- uh, legitimately uh, feel bad that they wanted to leave and open yeah. their own thing. And, you know, and you um, can't blame them. I mean, of course, no, no, no. Yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, you yeah. wanted to yeah. listen. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I, I totally understand that. Um, but basically what happened was, is a couple of a couple of them said, I'm not going to open. I'm staying with you. Hmm. That was when I said, wow, like uh, that sucks for them. You know, that, that's yeah. not a so I, I just said, you know, how could I do this? So I started researching and, uh, you know, developing and learning all about franchising. 
and how it worked and and you know what was the structure and just everything that there could be about franchising I learned um so I'm sitting there and I'm tattooing this guy and he's getting a full sleeve a religious sleeve and he starts telling me all about you know how he got saved and everything and I'm like okay that's awesome and then um you know through the sessions you know it takes a lot of sessions to do that then he tells me you know one day like oh i own a franchise i was like really i was like what, what's the franchise you own you know he owned a couple different businesses and stuff like that um this one he owned was uh burger fi mm-hmm. he owned burger fies a couple of them and um i said wow that's awesome i said what do you know about franchising i'm studying it and stuff and he was like man actually i was gonna tell you this would be a great thing to franchise um is this the guy i think i met this guy is this the guy i've met over at your place okay yeah 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 so i'm like you know i think uh you know how would i do it you know how would i go about doing it and everything and um basically he you know he had you know some really good business partners and stuff that you know he knew like the owners of those places and hooked me up with some people to talk about it and some some attorneys some franchise attorneys and um, once I knew that it was possible, cause not every business is franchisable mm-hmm. and that sounds crazy. Um, I think they all are, but I think my point is, is that not everybody wants to take the, the leap in with that company. You know, yeah. they're like, oh, I don't know about this. You know, you have to find the right franchise company mm-hmm. for your company. Don't just go out and get a franchise. That was, you know, I, I was very lucky and blessed in the fact that I found somebody that wanted to work with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at first they did not. I was actually told by the person that I wanted to franchise me when we went out to work with them, I was told no for two years Hmm. and me and uh, this other guy, we just kept being persistent, kept sending them information. I would send them updates on, Hey, opening a new studio. This is what I'm doing. Uh, You know, putting together a list of FF and E, which is furniture, fixtures and equipment. It'll be the same one and everything. And so eventually he's just like, this guy basically knows how to franchise. He just needs somebody. And for some reason, obviously I could have went somewhere else and got it. But for some reason, you know, they keep asking us, you know, they, this other guy kept hitting, hitting him. They ended up, you know, hanging out together. And he was like, how many does he have now? He was like, are you kidding me? He's like, all right, let me meet this guy. Yeah. And then he met me. And uh, now the story is he was like, I knew in about, 10 minutes that I was going to franchise your business. Once mm-hmm. I started talking with you, uh, he was like, because you had moved beyond uh, what most people do in business. Most people think, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a tattooer or I'm a window tenor or whatever it is that they're doing for a living or owning a business as an entrepreneur. That's, that's just the widget. That's just the function that you do. What you're really doing is giving people what they really want as an experience for them to to be happy with. And the other thing is, is that you're getting rid of the fact that you're thinking in terms of a tattoo or whatever it is. And you're thinking, what are the business skills that I need to develop and continue to grow? Mm-hmm. Um, so I that's basically how I why I franchise, how I franchise was to help some of my long-term artists, which now own actual yeah. tattoo studios, franchises with us. And they're crushing it. They're killing it. I want to um, ask you about them. Um, yeah. But uh, real quick before we do, how long ago was this? So how long How long ago was like the conversation with the guy where he's like, okay, yeah, we're going to do this. This was, I'm going to say about maybe 14 months ago. Holy crap. Okay. I didn't realize it was oh. that recent. 
Oh yeah. Because yeah. holy so one, shit. So once okay, that changes everything. I'm yeah. Okay, I'm a little more impressed. Uh so I was already I said, very yes, impressed. I want to do it. <laughs> no, once I said yes that I want to do it, mm-hmm. we we said, okay, let's start doing it this way. We created the plan and the plan went bonkers. Yeah. More, so many people were interested in it. We we just were not aware that that many people. You have to understand, um, artists they want to own their own studio. Yeah, that is what they want to do. But again, like I said, they're starving artists because they're doing what they're doing for passion. They're not necessarily doing it for a monetary gain. So once somebody was an advocate for them and said, look, I'll show you all the systems. I'll show you exactly what light bulb to put. I'll show you everything. When you walk in, they'll all look the same. They'll all have the same booking system. They'll all have the POS Mm -hmm. system. They'll all remember tattoo studios don't have POS systems. Some of them still want to just get paid in cash, Mm -hmm. you know? So once these artists knew that there was a place for them to go and that there were systems that helped them develop, you know, standard operating procedures and stuff like that they, they learned that yeah it just took off am it i the only off. guy by the way everyone admit this out loud if it's you am i the only guy whose inner 12 year old still chuckles when he hears pos system yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just always i know exactly what it is it, it, just... it took me a long, long time to not hear that yeah <laughs> i'm sure yeah because once you learn about it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so um, you know, and that that's basically why I did it was for uh for my friends and yeah, uh, you know, and my family. Like my son, he's he's an artist. Um, uh, my son-in-law's an artist, uh, my daughter-in-law Pierce is with me, my daughter. I Does mean, your son own the one that you and I visited over by yeah. the uh, White Castle? Yeah. Is that his? Okay. That's yep, yep, yep. That's his. By um, the way, just so for everyone listening, you know, because as you can imagine, Rick, you know, there's a good chance that anyone listening to this will be in Orlando one day because it's like the tourist capital of the world. Um, yeah. If you ever want to see one, we haven't even mentioned the name, but Fine Ink Studios yep. is the uh, is the Studios. brand. And yep. um, one of them uh, is over. Uh, there's a Joe White, Carter and Palm Park. Yeah. There's, a, there's a new White Castle in Orlando. It's yep. the only one yep. right now. So the first yep. White Castle in Orlando, there's a Fine Ink Studios next to it. So if you ever want to tattoo while you're visiting mickey mouse or uh just some some apparel or you just want to check out an impressive um an impressive setup an impressive you know system that's been created go check them out over there but um but i want to ask you about that you know like you know like with your sons uh you know he's got that location um do you 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 either just you either tell me or say bob i don't talk about that you know on podcasts but how many how many locations are out there right now um that, that are open. Okay, so, is that a conversation? So, that- no, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So right now we're in the middle of, right now we are in build out with four right now at one time that will put us around 15. 15. And then okay. we're, yeah. Yeah. We're probably going to do well. we're on task come January. We're starting another 10. Nice. And, okay. And we're also moving to Tampa. Uh, so one of them will be in Hyde park, Tampa, and we're, we're pushing for, one in the hard rock casino tampa Ooh, that'd um, be cool. yeah yeah and so i would say by 2025 there's going to be 50 studios right around there that's about what we're on track to do can you design one for me to open that's a tattoo studio and a donut shop but i don't want to get up early and make the donuts either i just want to yeah, no, go yeah. i just want to hang out drink coffee eat donuts make some podcasts talk to my tattoo artists can we make this happen we can okay yes. <laughs> 
So, so here's what I want to ask you, Rick. And here's what I love. Uh, this probably like your heart is what I like the most. Like I'm impressed. I didn't realize that it was as new as it was. Um, I, I thought you were going to say four or five years ago. I didn't realize it was that, that recent. Um, but, but remember now I had been studying franchising for probably six years. And I, when I say studying, right. I mean, you know, looking at Chick-fil-A's model, looking mm -hmm. at Wendy's model, look at McDonald's model, looking at and really going in <clears throat> and studying how they do it. And then I would I would say, OK, if I was going to open my studio, how would I do it? And I'd write everything out on a board, look at it, analyze it, critique it, start over on the system of how I was going to do it again and again and again. And then finally, I once I had that system down, I said, you know what, let's do something else. Like like when I said window tinting, then I tried to take a window and I started thinking, how would I brand it? How would I market it? How would, and I started trying to play with doing a franchise with that. Like I legitimately really got yeah. into kind of nerd now well, that's great that you did the, you you did the research but uh, I, the the podcast i just recorded before this one i don't know when these are all going to go live but we talked about how knowledge is no longer power you know it, it's the application of it so absolutely sure, you spent a lot of time studying it but in 14 months you've that's done right. a lot of stuff that's, that's right. very impressive so um i tell i tell most people that when they're like, man, you did so much, you're doing so much so quickly, how is that possible? And I tell them, when you become a meaningful specific and quit being a wandering generality, things will happen very, very, very quickly. I Say that again. I said, most people ask me, you know, like, how are you doing this so quickly? Um, just It just really comes down to when you become a meaningful specific and quit being a wandering generality things will start happening quick you know yeah and, and you got to think about those words you know and those words are, are basically from uh earl nightingale okay um you know and he he just basically says that you know and i always knew that becoming a meaningful specific that doesn't mean being a specific it yeah. means something that has meaning to you something that you you enjoy doing you want to do you know i tell most people uh you know eating food and everything that's your vitamins and your minerals for your body to move and and have you know what it takes to do that but passion you know uh inspiration that's food for the mind mm -hmm. you know that's what makes people you know go for long long periods of time you know is that inspiration whereas yeah. most people you go to work you hate your job six hours you know you, you do it eight hours six hours are at best maybe productive you know you know that feeling but mm -hmm. people who are doing something that they want as a meaningful specific man they can do it for 12 hours and they can do it at an 80 percent, if not higher than that yeah and so that, that that's really what what i think made us uh you know or is making us grow so quickly we know what we want we're all on the team together we have a really good vision we talk that vision out weekly i would say and think about it weekly just before we got through with this i was just in here with a group of guys and we were all talking about what we're doing what our next step is where we're going you know yeah. um that's why whenever you said earlier you said well i'm not really an artist and i'm like he he is an artist you you know an artist is somebody who puts something in his head you know and then yeah. kind of thinks it through and then puts it on paper yeah. Uh, well, you just do it in different ways. You know, somebody who carves a chair, they got to, you know, you got to think that through first and then put it out. Same That's thing right. with you. You're building a business, you're building a brand mm -hmm. and you have to think that through strategically and know what it looks like to you before it can even happen. You know, yeah. so 
uh, it, it it's in the same thing as an artist other than there's just a record of it on paper as far as a visual i can i can i can feel that yeah i i, I can i can accept that so. yeah yeah you're creating that you know you're creating <laughs> even even what you're doing now mm-hmm. you know like i said you know even the all the ones that you did before this you know i watched them and i said man that's cool that's cool i i, I want to do that i'd like to i'd like to talk with him someday and stuff like that so yeah. Yeah, it's creating where where you know where you're going for sure. So, uh, and thank you for that, Rick. Uh, did I get did I get off the question? <laughs> well, I, I don't remember the question, but it doesn't matter. I, I don't care. The talking is good. That's good enough for me. So, uh, so there's two things I kind of want to hear you talk about. Okay. okay. So the second one, because it'll probably be the bigger conversation, I imagine. But I want to I want to talk about um, you know some of the. It doesn't have to relate to. Uh, uh, franchises specifically it can't right okay that need to but i want to talk about um you know maybe some of the main frameworks or you know life lessons or nuggets that you're like here's the shit that you know here's where i got kicked in the teeth and here's how i've overcome these things you know like here's mistakes i've made or dealt oh, yeah. with that others don't need to in your business uh you know ventures but before we get there um one thing i love about you is just your heart and you've already shared it some when you were talking about, you know, your first franchises were to help some of these guys that mm-hmm. uh, said they were going to stay with you. And, and, and I'll tell you, that's a testament. I mean, you know this, but you didn't come out and say it, but I know, you know, it, it's a big testament to who you are as a person when you have someone that's working for you and they know that they could go do their own thing, but they're like, I'm staying with you because you're my guy. That's, that's impressive. And so props to you for building culture like that and being someone like that. And in that same vein, uh, one thing I love is like your heart with this school that you're creating. So like yep. next, if I wanted, I guess I could go next door to my office and start learning how to uh, yeah. be an artist, learning how to tattoo and learn how to be a, a body piercer and all that stuff. Yep. So you've got people that uh, they come in. Um, I'll let you uh, get into the details where they can come in. They go through a series of, of weeks where they just learn, you know, I'll just say art uh, as yeah. an uneducated person. You know, they learn art and composition yeah. and stuff like that, how to how to do art. And then they start to learn how to uh, actually tattoo once they've done that. And then you even have programs that allow um, artists that, otherwise wouldn't be able to get their own business where they can come in, kind of do this apprenticeship thing, run a studio for a franchisor, I think. Are you the franchisor or I'm the franchisor? They okay. would be the franchisee. All right. So they could run a run a location for the franchisee and then end up, you know, doing some cool stuff. Tell me about that, because I love it okay. and it, it's it's my favorite thing about you. Okay. So I'll, I'll kind of go through it. So basically we have artists that come to us that want to learn how to tattoo our peers. Mm-hmm. So we start with that. That's the first thing that we start with. And we teach them basically three pillars. Those pillars are the first one is tattooing, everything to do with tattooing um, and understanding all about skin types, BBPs, which is your bloodborne pathogens, learning how to keep yourself safe, your client safe. What's the difference in a needle grouping? How does the ink go in the skin? Just everything that there could be with tattooing because tattooing is the medium. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not oil painting. It's not acrylic. It's not watercolor. It's tattooing. So they have to learn that medium. So that's the first pillar. Second pillar is what we call art fundamentals. Now, if you're going to be an artist, you have to understand those art fundamentals. This is why a lot of the people 
see our studios and they come to them and they say, wow, you guys haven't, right now we contract 110 different artists right wow. now. And they say, you guys have artists that are great everywhere. Mm-hmm. And that's because in the industry, it was kind of faux pas to tell each other what you were doing or mm-hmm. to teach somebody. We've, we've broken that stigma. Yep. Whatever you want to know, however you want to learn it, we will teach it to you no matter what. Mm-hmm. We respect each other as peer-to-peer, artist-to-artist. Here's how I did it. Here's, here's you know, what I'm, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Then the th- So that's art fundamentals and just being really, you know, helpful with each and every single person. You're going to grow very quickly as an artist. Then the third is what we call art uh, as uh, studio culture. What happens in the studio? How, you know, you got to think about it. When somebody walks in to get a tattoo, there's no menu board. Yeah. There's not a menu board. So right off the bat, the client is going to have to, like within 30 seconds to a minute, going to have to trust you. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that I don't know any other industry that that kind of happens with without a menu. Maybe, maybe, maybe uh, a mechanic, maybe. Mechanic. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a mechanic. But even then there's the guidelines. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, so understanding that, that that person. That but to that point. Yeah. Mechanics are hard to find. Like, it's hard as hell yep. to find a good mechanic if, yep. when you're new to it. Yep. So, yeah, valid yep. point nonetheless. Yeah. So, so, you know, you know, you, that's the point is, is understanding that studio culture, mm-hmm. how to talk to a client, how to make a client, how to be a professional in the industry. The, the industry standard is their 1099s. So they're kind of their own sole proprietorship. So, so we teach them everything about that. We teach them how to become an LLC. We teach them every single bit of the business of being a tattoo artist, whereas 90% of other tattoo studios they just hire you, they contract you, they tell you, hey, you better pay your taxes, that's it. Mm-hmm. That's the end of it. But so what happens is, is we find these people that are doing this and uh, we're always looking at our artists and some of them become what we call like real fans or lean inners, I call them, you know, they're leaning into the core of it. And we mm-hmm. say, hey, listen, we, in the evenings, uh, we have management programs, an FI, a Finding Studios Leadership Program, and then they come. Uh, we don't charge them anything like that. They come and we sit down with them and uh, teach them everything uh, about, you know, uh, marketing, advertising, leaderships, understanding finances, P&L, uh, just everything that they're like, they would get at a business school. And, yeah. But it's specific to finding studios. Mm-hmm. What happens is, is once we create that leadership, we say, our, you know, you you can take the knowledge and that's it. Or you can take the knowledge and apply it at one of our studios and we'll pay you still. We're going to pay you as a manager. We're going to do all that, but we'd like for you to do it. And if, you know, if you're interested, well, what happens is they do that. They learn that they can run it. They learn, they, they see that it gives them the confidence, not just to tattoo, but to that. And we have some artists that uh, have been tattooing, you know, seven years and we didn't teach them, but they come here and they find out about the leadership Mm -hmm. and they're like, I want to be part of that. I, this is what I've been wanting the whole seven years that I've been tattooing is to learn about the business and be able to develop and do this myself. It's no more hidden. I'll give you a good example. I had a piercer that came to me about two weeks ago. He was piercing for a company for 10 years. I said, wow, man, you pierced with them for a long time. Says, yeah. I said, what, what, what made you leave? And he was like, well, I told them that I was interested in opening a studio and if they would be interested in kind of doing that with me, he, mm. he knows the owner really well. I know. Yeah. He said within three days he was fired. Wow. Wow. Yep. yep. As and soon as they think, as soon as they think you're going to take their clients or take something that they have or mm-hmm. that you don't want to do what they want. And I'm not saying everybody, 
but I'm saying in but it's general. the norm. I that, think that's in the business, culture. I think in business in general, people kind of have that, you know, that yeah. limiting belief. Uh, I agree. So, that, that is typical yeah. from based so, off my experience. So. so that's what I learned was the more that I gave to these artists and more that I taught them. Um, remember, they're they're kind of these external kind of hard, not hard, but external people that don't fit the norm. So we're, you know, we got our own little tribe. So they're super, super, super committed and super, um, what's the word? Uh, loyal. Loyal, so yeah. you teach them and you show them how to do it and show them how to make a better living, man, together, we're all just growing tremendously, tremendously. So I learned the more that you give to them, the better that the business becomes. You know, it becomes, like I said, a tribe. And, and you know, I always remember that, too, because I remember, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. I remember there was an interview that I was watching of him and they asked him like, what do you think the quickest way to get rich? Or, you know, is it stocks? Is it, and he was like, well, I wouldn't say that. Um, He'd say, I'd say the, the best way to get rich or the easiest way to become wealthy or whatever is to give somebody a job. He said, it's just that simple. Find a way to give somebody a job, give 10 people a job, give 20 people a job, give a hundred, like we have now 110 people a job. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, but it comes back from, you know, once you start thinking about it and you really get into it, what does that mean? It means it really means giving of yourself as much as you possibly can to help others. Yeah. You know, and build a structure inside of there of a, you know, of a team, a co-op. Mm-hmm. You know. No, so now, just, now listen. What happens? Uh, this uh, th- this is amazing shit. But I, unless I just missed it, you didn't drop the cherry though. So someone comes in, they get in your program. They decide they want to come to the stuff in the evenings, learn about business. They go, they can, um, you know, they can take what they learn in the evenings, go manage one of these finance studios. Then what? Mm -hmm. Yep. But then what happens is, is once they, once they manage that and they get to a point where they say, I want to own one of these. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens is we have people that will finance them, uh, which we'll get to that towards the end. That's where I'm at right now. Right now I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking for people that, want to finance us or finance artists and help. Whereas, and that doesn't mean that I don't give my money up. I've given my money up to tons of artists to help them open it. Tons of it. But I'm in a point now where on the back end for us to build equity, I need to build the brand. So I need Mm -hmm. to put my money in that brand. But basically what happens is we do, we have investors that are, that are here now and they say, okay, Rick, if you vouch for this person and they go through your class and they run that studio and they can prove by running it almost as if it's theirs for a year, we will finance them to open their own studio. That's awesome. And then yeah. so, I'll tell you what I love. So there's about a way that. from the beginning from, sorry, there's a way from day one mm-hmm. of the apprenticeship all the way through to own your own studio. If there's a system that has been developed and planned for them, if they want to, not everybody does. Not yeah. everybody thinks and that. Not everyone's not going to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And some people like I've had some guys that work with me for a good amount of time and they just say, that's not for me. I don't want to do that. I already make really good money, you know, from what they mm-hmm. feel is comfortable with and then they're happy and and that's good. And then you just make sure that that person is comfortable. They're making a good living. They're able to support themselves and their family. Mm-hmm. You make sure that your industry or your, your studio at least is comfortable for them and gives them all the needs that they need, you know, to work yeah. in a comfortable environment, you know? Well, I, I just love it because, and I'm, you know, I'm probably stereotyping more than I should, uh, definitely. And, you know, and I'm painting with a broad brush here, but I think you're taking, um, 
you know, a, a group of people that are very hard workers and a group of people that are very passionate, but don't necessarily uh, haven't been given the resources or the support to do some things with themselves yeah. you know, and some yeah. opportunities to go and build this American dream. And the fact that, you know, you're not finding people that are hard workers and just trying to keep them for yourself forever. And I'm not suggesting that, right. that someone's evil. If someone works for them, I'm not saying, right. that. Yeah. But, but you're not just doing that. You're finding these people and you're saying, Hey, you come here, you know, obviously they're giving you some, I mean, you need something out of it. Right. But it's like, they, right, they yeah. invest in you, you invest back in them. And then some of these people are getting a great opportunity because you're like, wow, this person has this gift you have some resources and then everyone wins by you being yep. generous instead of one person wins because when an employee said, I mean, here's the crazy thing about that guy, that story you just told that dude who's probably successful in his tattoo studio had an employee that was loyal, had been there for almost a oh, decade, yeah. which doesn't happen anywhere. And the employee said to him, Hey, is there a way that I could help expand your kingdom? And they fired him for it. And yeah. that's, I think that's a very weak and a very um, misguided position to be in, yeah. even well, think, for someone that's being think, successful. So. Think about it this way. Um, so let's just talk about people who work in food industry or just anywhere. Like, you know, I have lots of buddies that own restaurants. Like I told you about the other guy with Burgerfy, and I have other ones that own full out restaurants and stuff. And most of the people that are, um, you know, unless they're like the chef or stuff like that, but most of the servers and stuff, let's just be honest, they really don't want to be there. They're not like, oh, this is my end all to all. They're normally yep. college students working their way and they're going to go, you know, so it's hard for them to go there and be passionate and be like, oh, I want to wait every single day and, you know, I'm going to own my own restaurant. And if they did, then that's how they would be. We're lucky in the fact that the people that come to us, even even my buddy who owns uh, restaurants, he said to me, he's like, man, you're, it's so crazy because the people that come here, your artists come here, they're so excited to actually be here and tattoo for the day. Like they're ready to go. He was yeah. like, they're ready to go. He was like, that doesn't happen in the restaurant. He was like, you're very fortunate. Well, that doesn't happen yeah. in the tattoo world either. <laughs> you created that. Like as a consumer, yeah. I'll tell you, like I've, you know, I've had found an artist that I've had to do a lot of work for me, but it's not, it's actually a lot like a mechanic. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. It's like, it's not fun yeah. to find a new mechanic because it really comes down to trust and, mm -hmm. and mechanics don't tend to have good, you know, bedside manner, you know, if you will. And then the same with tattoo artists, you know, it's like, they know, you know, you just got to take their word for it and, you know, you get in there and, and they're not always warm, fuzzy. So the fact that you've created this cool culture, and I don't think it's just because I'm sure there's some of this that you filtered out people that have bad attitudes, but I would yeah. argue that a lot of people that are having this positive experience and fulfillment in their, their career, mm -hmm. it's, it's, they, they maybe wouldn't have those attitudes if they were at the quote unquote, typical tattoo shop down the road. You, I agree. You've yeah. created this yeah. beautiful thing, and and I love so, it. Can I can I tell you a little bit about how how we developed this? Please. So okay. So what I did was, as I said, what are my two what are my two most important things? The first thing is is the client. The client has to be treated correctly, and they have to. I have to make sure that they get quality artwork on their skin, mm -hmm. and they get it done in a, in a you know healthy way, like they don't get hurt or anything like that. 
That was my first. The second was then the artist. The artist has to have a safe, clean, comfortable environment. They have to be able, and they have to be able to feed their family. That's mm-hmm. it. It's just that simple. How do we do that? That that's what we started with on the board. Mm-hmm. So in doing that, what happened was, uh, first thing I said was, is okay. We need to develop a studio that is comfortable for the client and the artist. So I flew a company out. Um, I can tell you the name of it is the Storyland Studios. Mm-hmm. Incredible guys. If you're looking to develop your business. Uh, where people come in, you know, and, and you want it to be for them. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Amazing. Hmm. So they come, they come from California. Basically we fly them in, we do that. First day we get there, there's a group of us and there's a group of them. You know, I think there's four of them that came in. They start asking us questions. Now these questions that they're asking are, okay, Rick, if your client left today and he went to go get coffee, would he go home? Would he go to this new chic, you know, uh, Foxtail? Would he go to Dunkin'? Would he go to Starbucks? Where would he go? We're like, okay, yeah, let's, yeah, Starbucks. They'd probably go to Starbucks. That's where they'd go. Then they proceeded to ask me tons of other questions. If you're, if your client wore a hat, what type of hat? Where would they, they ask all these questions. And then they said, we'll, we'll come back tomorrow and we'll tell you who your client is. So they come back, they basically tell us who our client is. Then they help us with our, basically our uh, mission statement. Like, who are we? What are, what are we? Then from that, they say, okay, we've collected all this data. I think it was like four four days, maybe four or five days. They said, we'll talk to you in three weeks and we'll show you the design. Hmm. And I said, but you don't want to know like what materials, what, you know, what, what type of, you know, materials, anything that we want to, and they're like, no, we don't need that. We don't need you to tell us what, what, what you, you, want. you told you us what us. we needed you to tell us. And now we're going to do it. Yeah. You, you hired us to, you hired us to find out what the client wanted. So mm-hmm. they came back with an incredible, just totally unique design of our studios that now when everybody walks in, they're like, wow, I've never seen a studio like this. Is that I've Miller? Seen a uh, some, is it, I don't know his first name. Miller. Story Brand? Is that the Story Brand guy you're talking about? Oh, no, no. Um, no, the, the, the name of the company is... Uh, um, just went out of my head now. You said Story. So they go by a couple of different. Yeah, uh, Storyland Studios. Oh, Storyland. Okay. You said, I thought yeah, I thought you might Storyland have said Story Studios. Brand. Okay. And they also go by they also go by uh, uh, Blue Sky. Okay. Blue Sky. Okay. They're out of California. They do work for Disney and mm-hmm. tons of other. Go look at the stuff they did. Legoland. They did. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, these were some heavy hitters. You know, they they know what they're doing. Um, and basically, they came back with a design that was, I think, incredible. And every single one of our clients, they love it. So again, like I said. When I started this, I said, it's got to be for the client and it's got to be for the artist. Mm-hmm. So we went back in and said, let's let's find what the, you know, our demographic wants. Let's find what our artists want and let's build to that. It's it's no longer me. What, what do I think looks cool? Yeah. What do I think that I want to put in there? I want to put my own paintings in there, self-serving to that. Just everything was removed. And I said, show me what everybody wants. I'm, I'm doing this on a giving basis. So I might as well just keep trying to do that. And in doing that, it just, again, like I said, it grew. Um, Now we have, you know, you can walk into any one of our studios. They feel the same. Every single one you go to, just like, you know, any other franchise and everything. But that, you know, that helps a a lot. But we're building that brand. So, like, this is one of the things we tell the artists that are working with us. You know, you got to think about, let's just say the first Chick-fil-A. You know, what do you think it was worth? What do you think they paid? You know, and what do you think they're paying for it now? (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's there's equity in that brand 
Mm-hmm. So some of these artists, you know, I have I have some artists who own three studios. Wow. Yeah, but they know that. They know that once that brand builds to 25, 50, yep. they're going to have equity to sell that studio if they ever want to. Mm-hmm. You know, again, we we tell people that right off the bat. I tell them right I I full disclosure, this is what we're doing. I'm not saying I'm going to sell it, but I'm saying this is what mm-hmm. we're doing. We're building a brand, something bigger than us, you know. Yep. We want it where when people think tattoo they think you know finding studios are you and some some of the go ahead i'm sorry i i just i don't want to lose this thought do you have anything in the works for um hiring um you know hiring some um production people to produce a show you know whether it's just a youtube show or something like that and show Um, you guys you know build this thing so what we again what we did was i created a i created a, a a booking department and there's people there booking all day long. Leads are coming in from the, the website, goes through a sales acquisition, they catch a deposit, then it goes directly, uh, you know, from them to a POS system. <laughs> a POS system. <laughs> it goes to a POS system and um and, and then they they get that lead. And then we did the same thing for um uh, marketing advertising. We hired a videography and a photographer and that's all they do. They go to every single studio. They take pictures, take videos. They go. Well, I mean, for making and... an actual show, like I'm saying, no, like, no, 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 yeah. I, no, I haven't because I haven't because, um, uh, I wouldn't know how to do it. I, I'm you know, just I curious. Like some... it's some cool stuff you got going. Right, it's like, this no. needs to be documented, man. I would love, yeah, I would love to do that. And people have already told me, hey, you need to be documenting, especially when they come in and they see everything happening and people running around and they're like, how many people are here? You know, they tell me like, hey, you need to be documenting this. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about like you were saying, like, what were some of the the obstacles that I had to overcome? Yeah, yeah. let's talk about so, that. Yeah. One of the obstacles that we had to overcome was landlords did not want a tattoo studio in their building Hmm. and they didn't want that for legitimate reasons they felt that it would lower the value of their property Mm -hmm. you know i totally understand that and so i i just started thinking how do i fix this how do i educate these people how do i tell them that that's not who we are so of course we put it together a really nice you know slick clean package that anytime we talk to a landlord our broker would send to them and say hey look this is it they're the first you know franchise tattoo company in America, legitimately, this is what they did, everything. But then in doing that, I started thinking like, you know, you know, A to B business, like who's around me that has the same problem? Like mm-hmm. who's around me that has this? Um, so I started thinking about it and I started looking at it. And then one day I was getting a massage mm-hmm. and I said, they have the same problem. They had that same problem. Like they, certain grocery stores, I won't say their names, they won't allow a massage you know, parlor to be there unless they're franchised. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But you think about, um, I don't know if I can say this, you can believe you say whatever you want. Like, yeah. Like hand and stone massage envy, mm-hmm. you know who they are. They're, yeah. they're yeah. I know of companies. them. Yeah. yeah. So you think about prior to that, you just walked into something that said massage. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you went, even if you were married, like me, I had a bad back tat- getting tattooed and stuff, you know, there was always that stigma, you know, that little laugh or whatever. 
they legitimized that business. They built mm -hmm. a brand. So when you walk in, you're like, oh, that's not happening here. As a matter of fact, look how it looks. My wife's like, yeah, go ahead. No problem at all. I can see this is professional. Yeah. So I took everything that they did and went and researched their companies and developed the same way that they did to get in with those landlords and to get into those properties that were really hard for me to get in and took the same approach and then mm -hmm. began to apply it to my business. So you know, that was a really big obstacle. And the way that I solved that was looking at somebody else that was, you know, uh, similar to my business uh, that had the same problem. Like, hey, nobody wants a massage. You know, and now you think about it, it doesn't say massage anymore. It says hand and stone. Yeah. It says massage. You know, it's just. What about your, your, your shops? Like, I mean, I've seen them, but I don't know. At this stage in the game, do you still need to have tattoo out there just because it, that's what people know? It, said, it says it says finding studios on all, it? all the franchises, the ones we're going forward. Some of the old corporate ones have tattoo on there. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, that's one of our goals this year is to take that off and put the put the yeah. finding, uh, you know, brand name with. Is there know, an expense for you doing that? And what I mean by I don't mean the signs, but like, is there because you're you're the trailblazer here or you're the pioneer right you know yeah. what, what's that saying uh you can identify yeah. a pioneer because he's got arrows in his back and he's face down in the yeah. dirt or something like that yeah so yeah, i took i took a lot of i took a lot of steam static from other tattooers mm -hmm. and other business owners and stuff but what like about that. just the money what about just buying ink studios versus tattoo do you pay a price because you're establishing the brand that you know, it's not established yet, you know, and like you're, you're doing it. I can only imagine you maybe lose money because someone sees fine ink and that might not mean tattoo to them or something like that. Does that, do you think um, that hurts you in the we did, time while you're building that brand? No, no, no. So we did, what we did was, is we, we went through that question and we said, okay, should we keep tattoos with a little word fine ink under it? Or should we say fine ink? Uh, studios with the little word tattoo under it, or should we take tattoo out, whatever. So we were like, well, let's go to the people. So we went and we, I mean, legitimately, we'd be driving down a road and I'd be like, oh, no, 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 that looks like our people pull over, pull, or, you know, in the lane, roll your window down. And I'd ask them, roll your window down. I was like, hey, what does this mean? And oh. they'd be like, finding, and they'd be like, it's a tattoo studio. And I was like, yeah, okay, all right, cool. And they're like, where's it at? Where's it at? But then if I ask somebody, you know, who was like 67 years old, they're like, finding, um, I don't know. I don't really know. Yeah. Our demographic, we realized they got it. And okay. It That's cool. All so, right. So, so, so we took the plunge on saying the landlords who don't want the word tattoo, fine. We'll just put finding studios. They know what it means. Mm -hmm. Finding studios. They get what it is, you know? Yeah. Um, so we were fortunate in the name that we didn't name it something crazy like, you know, purple dragon. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> if they did, that might not have been a good one either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you'd named it Purple Dragon Tattoos, then if you, they didn't want the word tattoo on there, obviously Purple Dragon, people were like, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, a, <laughs> worse than a tattoo. So, so. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's one of those things that got lucky, uh, and it was named Fine Ink uh, for the word Fine Art because mm -hmm. I was a fine artist. Yeah, and I was like, let's do Fine Ink. You know, that was kind of the similarity to what. Well, and that's what's cool is you're, you're at least the ones I've been in. You got art. You know, you actually have art. Oh, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like you, so, I don't know if it's all yours, but some of it at least yours. You know, in the yeah. No, a lot of it. A lot of it is um, the artists that work with us. We have little spots that are gallery walls for them to put up. As a matter of fact, that at, at uh, O Town West, we just had a gallery show hmm. um, where we opened it up and everybody came in. There was 
Is that the one uh, over there by by White Castle? Yeah, the, the, one? Yep. 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 the White Castle one. Yep, that's right there. And it was actually really good. Lots of people came in. They actually sold art. They uh, sold some prints. Uh, you know, it went really well. So, uh, but, oh, yeah, keep going, man. Keep going. You were talking no, about no, but that, You know, you just asked me about some of the problems. You know, mm -hmm. that was one of the ones. Getting, getting the landlords to accept us, you know. Yeah. You know, that, that was a real hard one. Um, and then, like I said, you know, uh, a lot of the people in the industry, they didn't quite understand what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't, they didn't did, get it. Did like you I, have to go to a meeting of like the five heads of the families of the tattoo <laughs> people in Orlando and get permission to no. teach how to do it? <laughs> no, 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 I didn't have to do that. But like I said, some of my, you know, I'm 50 mm -hmm. and I have tattoo friends that are older than me. Like I had one, we were sitting uh, we were sitting in, and at a bar, but yeah. I didn't sit next to him. I sat next to my buddy, but he just was there and we were at a tattoo convention mm -hmm. and that was this year. And he just basically said, he said, man, it's crazy. Now that tattooing's getting big, all these kids are wanting to get into it and everything. And they're wanting to be artists and stuff. And I just said, yeah, go just figure. very nicely. I just said, that's a, that's a different perspective. And that was it. Continued to talk to this guy and talking with him. Mm -hmm. I'd say about five minutes goes by and he says, Rick, what do you mean that's a different perspective? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you said that's a different perspective. I was like, oh, you said that now that tattooing is getting big, all these kids are getting into it. I said, my perspective is tattooing is getting big because all these kids are getting into it. Mm. I, said, I said, and you guys see it that way and you feel the ownership of it. And what's happening is, is these young kids are coming in and they're being real artists, you know, and they're taking over the industry. So for these older guys... It's almost as if they're stealing their girlfriend. If you're not helping young people, they're going to swallow you up, man. Oh, That's just, sure. And, and as sure. a 44 year old, I don't want to say it, but it's the damn truth. If you don't well, evolve and, the other thing and is, adapt and help them, they're going to, especially in a creative, especially in a creative uh, mm -hmm. industry. You know I mean? You look at everything that's happening with media and, and you know social media and all that like it's nothing like when me and you were growing up if you yeah. wanted to advertise you got on nbc and that was it and that was the only way people would see you unless you mm -hmm. put something on your car or something you know um but yeah now it's you know without young people i don't think uh i, I don't think this industry would be where it is i don't think it would be as acceptive as it is now well, I, I imagine it absolutely wouldn't. And it's not because, you know, tattoo guys are that way, but it's been, you know, it's been the, um, I don't know if exclusive is the right word, but it's, it's been the, the exclusive club for the, um, what was the word we used earlier, uh, for the, uh, rebels, you know, so it's like, yeah. you might be a rebel, but you're not the rebel that tattoos all the rebels. Right. You know, and, and they had, yeah. And I think, right. again, this isn't a tattoo thing. This is just life. You see it anywhere. You see it everywhere. You, you yeah. see it in pressure washing. Back when yeah. I, was, I didn't, we didn't have the internet to learn how to do this. It's pressure washing, bitch. It's not hard, yeah. you know, but it's the point of for tattoo artist, you, you know, and there's probably some people like you that we don't know somewhere, but, but like you, Rick, you know, you are the guy in your industry that's making knowledge not be power anymore. Now right. you're making people's drive and their ambition and their work ethic yep. and their intelligence, yep. you know, how to apply that you're making it their power. And I think that's the problem is, you know, these guys, they, uh, you know, like say an old school tattoo artist, they've kind of had this protected position that they didn't have to be better than any, but there was no, they were the that's strongest right. guy in the gym. 
And now, yep. now there's some young bucks coming in and maybe they got yep. some steroids thanks to you. And, yep. and, you know, and, they, and now yep. they're scared because they haven't elevated. They haven't been used to getting better and they yep. probably wouldn't even be angry if they weren't sitting there thinking, Holy crap, I didn't keep, I didn't stay up, you know, on, uh, on my, my skills and, yep. and now I'm going to get crushed, you know? Yep. And that, and that's really what it is. The time their time is not, uh, you know, time is not behind them anymore. It's in front of them. They can't go back 15 years and learn all the skills that, you know, I had been learning, you know, tattooing. I'm not saying I'm the greatest, but yeah. like I've been teaching for 16 years, you know, uh, Rick, I might have you give me a simple one soon, by the way, we'll just, you know, I don't even know yeah. if I told you, but I got this thing called the no bitch zone and I've been wanting. To oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know what it is. Come yeah, on, well, man. of course you do. Okay, I'm sorry. I Day one, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I might need. I might want an MBZ tattoo on me. So, but um, but listen, we're not wrapping up just yet. So, but okay. I want to. Um, I, I have a, a hard stop here in about 15 minutes. I've got another recording okay. I got to do a little yeah, later. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. But uh, we're gonna be back on Rick, and the next time we come on, we'll we will have some BS, but. Well, I'll have you on and we'll come on like with a specific topic, like, you know, maybe something that okay. you and I have both have experienced in different ways and we can share, you know, some, some good nuggets for the guys, but I want you to talk a little bit. Um, uh, you know what, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to sell me on, um, on a, a tattoo shop, you know, like, I, you know, I mean, you know, I'm, it's something I'm interested in anyway. I'm not, you've, it's not the first time you've heard me talk about the donut thing. I'm not even kidding. I literally want a tattoo <laughs> shop, a fine ink studio in Orlando where I can, you know, do my thing, but um, yeah, but, but, but talk to me about it. You know, if someone's out there listening, cause this is, you know, an audience of entrepreneurs, um, they're either going to learn what the process is like, or they may even be interested in it. Share as yeah. much information as you're able and willing to share on yeah. what that process is like, what it takes, how they can find out about it and all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Well, the first thing that I would say, if you're, let's say you came to me and you said, I'm maybe interested in owning a tattoo studio. Um, there's a big difference in a tattoo studio and finding studios. That's the first thing. Okay. That's the first. And the reason that you'd want to get into it is because tattooing has right now, um, a 13-year growth pattern. That means it's still growing, and they're saying that it's growing in time at about 13 years before it even begins to kind of wow. begin to live off. And that's at that's at um, anywhere from 18 to 20 percent. Hmm. So you're right now, you're right now at the point of you want to just think in terms of uh, some some of the young people won't remember, some of the older guys will remember. But let's just talk about uh, Fantastic Sam's Great Clips. Remember when they came out? Mm -hmm. Before that, you just went to yeah. Before that, you just went to your barber or your oh yeah. I've never heard of Fantastic Sam's. I've, I've heard of Great yeah. Clips. Yeah. I'm I'm a yeah. bald guy, man. Why the hell would you? Why are you asking yeah. me if I've heard of hair style places? <laughs> yeah. But but you understand what I'm saying. Back yeah. then, it was just it, you know it was just individual servers of it. Mm. You know that's the way it was. or a sub shop before Subway. It was just you know the sub guy. You know yeah. that's the way it was. We're right now there. That's where mm -hmm. tattooing is. That's where this industry is. Yeah. So we were just talking about, I mean, literally you open a tattoo shop, you don't put your name, you put tattoo. You're tattoo. the first guy. Yep. You, you're the, you're trying to be yep. the subway. Just don't hire a Jared. That's yeah. all I got to say. But anyway, keep going. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is they're sandwich artists. So. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah. but, so, so that'd be the first thing that I would say is we're not competing. It'd be different if I said, look, I've got this franchise I want to sell you. And here's what it is. It's a great idea. Let's sell hamburgers. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you're thinking there's so many competitors. Yeah. There's no competitors. There's no one competing with us. It's all mom and pop mm-hmm. in the way that they want to run it in their own little way. And that's okay. That's totally okay. But I just see that again. The reason I broke away from that is because I see that as it's kind of self-serving to them, yeah. not to them. I see that too. I mean, not being in it, yeah. but it just seems to make sense. Like you probably don't know this term, but the term like people would use in my industry would be like, you know, uh, it's a bunch of chucks in a truck. You know, it's, it's, it's just oh, the yeah. owner operator, but it's not necessarily right. a business owner that's out there. Yep. And the reason I like that, and it's one of the reasons I'm genuinely, you know, I really am. I've talked to my wife and a few people, Rick, I ain't kidding. I'm genuinely yeah. interested yeah. because a lot of people can say, well, you don't want to compete against them because they drive the prices down or whatever. And I'm saying, no, they don't drive the prices down. They, they get the people that want the cheap shit. So they don't come bug you. And then you're, it, it's easy yeah. to beat the Chuck in the truck. It's not yes. easy to beat the finance studios. So let's be the finance no. studio. So I'm not yeah. fighting against them. And anyway, carry on. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, but that's, but, but, but you're correct. So if you're an artist, this is this is one of the sure ways for you to be able to own your own slice of the pie. Mm-hmm. There's systems, there's processes, they're all developed together. Um, you know, it works. Uh, there, it's a proven track record. Even my studios that I've had, I've had for you know 18 years. Um, you, you know, you can look at all of that. But even the people who are not a tattoo artist, if they you know want to mm-hmm. open like a studio, yeah. Yeah. So what we have is we have people who are like you who are like, okay, I'm interested in doing this. Want to put some money in. We pair you with an artist, with somebody who's been through that, who wants to open a studio and they may want to open two or three. Well, you're going to open the first one with somebody, um, preferably somebody who has business experience too, Mm -hmm. who understands all that, develop together. Once that thing starts hitting profit, which it makes, you know, 90% of them do profit first year. Mm-hmm. Like they start making money right off the bat. Um, so then if you wanted to open another one, the artist wanted to open another one, they could open one, do a hundred percent of their own. You know? yep. But, but yeah, really that, that's really what it is. It's just the industry that we're in. It's that industry is is blowing up. It's growing. Um, it's a system that's been developed. That's, you know, proven over and over again. Um and I, I just, I, you know, I think when people see it, that's when they're like, oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I get, I, I get what you're, it should, just put it this way. You pull up to a stoplight, right? You see, we'll use Jared. You see Jared's gas station and then you see Wawa. Which one are you going to? Wawa, of course. Yeah, you're going to Wawa because, you know, you push through the double doors, you go up to the thing, you press on it, you order your thing, your sub, you get your gas. It's great. And, you go, and I know it is because I've that's been right. to Wawa's. Yeah. Right. It, it's a brand. Mm-hmm. it's a brand and odds are if you saw the two you would go to wawa anyways just because you've heard anyway yeah even if i didn't so that's yep. the other thing that's the other thing that i'm telling people about you're not buying when i said you're not buying a tattoo studio you're buying into finding studios you're buying buying into a co-op of you know over right now 40 something artists that are wanting to own tattoo mm-hmm. studios you're buying into something that is growing that's building equity into it Mm-hmm. You see, that's that's what you're buying. You're not buying, quote unquote, like I said, when we first began this, just get rid of the word tattoo. Yeah. Just get rid of window tinting. Get rid of everything. Just think business. Mm-hmm. When you think just business, you're successful on that. But 
you know, uh, I think all business is really simple. It's, it's broken down into the three categories, marketing, advertising. Well, you can throw sales in there, but that's all just one marketing, advertising, sales, then business. And people are like, hey, what do you mean business? Business means like being able to talk to people, mm-hmm. being able to connect with people, being able to share your story, your mission. What are you doing? Being a meaningful, specific. What are you specific about and passionate about? And why do you want to do it? And then the, the other is finances. And if you can't do your finances, hire somebody to do it. Keep it very simple like that and build on it. And you're going to go really far, especially if it's not self-serving, but, you know, client or or employee or contractor serving. Yeah. Uh, always thinking, how can I help them? How can I make them make more money? Every time I hire a person, I feel, okay, I have an obligation for this person to make X amount. Now, in order for me to do that, my booking system has to be really good. My marketing has to be, you know, really good for people to see it. Uh, you know, you don't hire, mm-hmm. you don't you don't have 110 contractors and let people just sit there. Yeah, you know, they're making money, you know, and they're making money because of the system. You know, so that's a lot of people to feed you if you really, you know. I mean, I'm not. Mm-hmm. There's people that, are, that do way, way, way more than that, but I'm just saying. Like, yeah, I, I, you know, it is a lot. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Um, when you look at it from the perspective that I'm looking at it from, everybody has to be able to make a living. And it, and if you can't do that, then what what are you doing it for? Everybody comes to this little room, you know, whatever it is, they think of even a restaurant. They come to that little room, everybody's doing their little part together. and But they're doing that to be able to be paid to go back and experience life. Mm-hmm. You got to boil it down to that and think in terms of that. That's why they're doing it. And if they're passionate about it, that's great. That helps because they want to be there, but you know you still owe you still owe an obligation to people, and I think I think that's another really good selling point for us is that it's it's really 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 a growing you know mm-hmm. process for us even with artists and all that. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean you know I don't know if that kind of answers the question. No, that's good stuff. Uh, and I know this, I know like if I wanted to open a Chick-fil-A, I probably need like a $2 million, $3 million net worth and a third of that yeah. liquid. Uh, do I got to be the same kind of guy to open a fine ink studio? No, no. Um, so here's the thing. Let's just even look at Subway. I told you, I study a lot of that. Subway, you're going to have to put in about $250,000 and you're going to have to have probably in the assets of about $300,000. Um, and then your take home, let's just say every things done and what you take home you take home about 40 to 60,000 that's the average subway owner that's what they take home so now you put all that money and you see how long it's going to take you to get it back and everything like that um and it's pretty much you know a lot of a lot of franchises are that way the ones that are like ridiculous crazy like chick-fil-a which chick-fil-a is actually really not even a franchise oh really um no, no, you you never own equity. You never own ownership of it. Hmm. You're you're what they call a partner, which means you get profit sharing. But the moment you quit, that's that's the moment you don't own. I have no anything. idea. Yeah, that's that's how Chick Fil A works. Um, but the thing with us is it's approximately one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That one hundred and fifty thousand dollars is then paid, and then that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, you got to have good. You got to have decent credit. We bet you that way. Um, but it takes one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to open one of these. That's yeah. what it takes. When you look at how beautiful they are, you're like, "How's that one hundred and fifty thousand? Well, that's because again, i I picked my contractors. I made sure my contractors were somebody who was not going to take advantage of me. And we're working with those contractors. 
we purchase all of the materials. Like we have, uh, it's called a, a studio in a box or a shop in a box. Mm-hmm. We take everything, all the FF and E, we purchase all that stuff, put it in a box you know, in, in a warehouse. Yep. So all flooring, everything is already there. It's all there. It's just legitimately plug and play. You don't, you will walk into your studio and it takes us about four to six weeks from the time that you say yes and do it. And we do our site selection and the site selection has a whole process too, where we go through the DOT, the department of transportation. We look at how many cars are going by. We tell you these metrics on look, a corner is better than the middle of the street. You'll make about 6% more. If you're ever on a corner with a light, we go through all that and tell you every bit of that. But then, you know, it in six weeks, boom, it's built. Here's your keys. That's cool. You know, and, and then what happens is, is the training, you know, pre, prior to that, there's training that's going on, um, you know, and we even if you're even if you're just going to be like, oh, I'm just going to own one and I'm going to have somebody run it. We still suggest, hey, look, you should go through our booking yeah. system you set with them and you're going to do training with them. You should go through the tattooing system. As a matter of fact, we're going to get you your tattoo license. That doesn't mean you're great and you should be doing it. But we're going to get you your tattoo yeah. license so you know how every single artist in your studio gets their license and how they move through that BBP, that bloodborne pathogen, what the health department requires from each and every single person. Uh, we ask you to do the same thing with piercing, get a piercing license. Again, you shouldn't be piercing nobody, but at the same time, you know what's expected and everything. Yeah. So it's a real system, just like a franchise. And again, I know people say, wow, it's only been like a year and you got all these open. How's that possible? But it's not. I've been, I, you can tell now that I've, I've been studying and researching yeah. franchising for over six years uh, and writing out my little system. Could it happen? Okay, well, if it could, this is how I do my booking system. If it could, this is how I do my training system for every single franchisee. This is what I would do. I'd buy all the materials up front and then I'd take those materials and I'd store them. And I'd buy a lot of it so that we got, uh, you know, a, a discount. This, look at this. I'm going to put this up here on the thing. It says legacy tattoos. Mm-hmm. That's a supply company that we started. No shit. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So that supply company basically gives 33% discounts to pretty much any, anybody else in the industry. Mm-hmm. Like they, they beat them by 33% on the discounts. So, but that's for our franchisees. So now where everybody else is spending 13, $15 for a box of gloves, we're spending six. Yeah. So now they get savings in that way too. And again, that's because it's not mom and pop. It's it's a tribe. It's a franchise. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a co-op. We're all buying together. You know, yeah. once you once you call a company and say we'd like to buy a hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of gloves, and we're going to do that every quarter. Yeah. You know what can we get it? You get it a fraction. You know how this works. Yeah. But, but uh, that's, absolutely. You know. Yeah. But that's why. You know. Um, you know, it's a real system. It's it's the same thing. Just I think a lot of people would not think that because it's tattoo. Yeah. But we are the first and we're we're doing it. You are the you know first what? franchise for tattoos. That's right? right. That's right. Yeah. But you know what? Somebody else is going to come along and do it. Of course. Somebody else is going to see it and come Thanks along. Thanks to and you. Yeah. So it's going <laughs> to happen. And, and we have to know that. You know, mm-hmm. you have to know that. Just like in the fact when in the beginning, when I said an artist should deserve the right to own their own slice of the pie. Mm-hmm. Another franchisor, they own the right to own their own little slice of the pie. I'm not a limiting belief guy. I believe there's more than enough for all of us. And, you know, that's just that that's just the perspective I take. And I won't change that perspective. Love it. Love it. Rick, uh, how can people get in touch with you? Find out more about this. Um, well, they can they can send me an email at okay. 
Barnett. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barnett at FindingStudios.com. All right. That's I'll put I'll put this in the show notes, guys, for you. So yeah. yeah. Um uh-huh. you know, or reach out on a call. Uh it's 407-761-1072. If anybody's interested. Um you know and then uh they can uh I know we got findingstudios.com, right? Yep. And is it is there any stuff? Is that all about people wanting to get tattoos, or is that can people go there and learn more about? Yeah, them? they can. Yeah, they can go there and learn a little bit more about uh, the franchising, and that'll also take them to our uh, finding merch website. Mm-hmm. So we have like all our T-shirts and stuff. You know, you have to understand. Like, let, let's just talk about a T-shirt company. What's the biggest expense on T-shirts? Most people say, "Oh, it's the T-shirt." I would imagine shipping probably, but I don't know. No. No, the most expensive thing is the artist to design it. The ah, designers. Yeah. Now we got 110 designers. <laughs> Love <laughs> so we, we, what we do is we have these artists all do designs and stuff, and we pay them for those designs. Mm-hmm. We purchase those designs, and we put it on shirts and stuff like that. So we have tons of merch that way and jewelry and stuff like that. That's so, cool. um, so yeah, in each one of the studios, there's merchandise for people to buy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which does, which does really well. As well as we white labeled and redid our own aftercare. Mm-hmm. We um, yeah hired a dermatologist, went through, looked at it. Tell us why, how does the body heal? What's the most important thing that it needs? You know what the most important thing that a tattoo needs to heal? Uh, I have yes. no idea. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, shade. You know, no, no UV rays. I, I really don't know for sure. Oxygen. Okay, fair. Awesome. So think about it. Think about it. If you put a band-aid, if you cut your finger and you put a band-aid on it, when mm-hmm. you take it off, it's all white and soggy looking. Mm-hmm. Now that band-aid is going to protect it from getting infected, but the oxygen slowed down the healing. The yeah. one thing the body needs is oxygen. So we realized we needed to develop our aftercare where it it goes in really quickly, but it's not, you know, like mm-hmm. the old thing that we used to use, uh, A and D, or you know, that puts a barrier on where the oxygen can't go through and it slows down the healing mm-hmm. process. Yeah. And as you slow the healing process down on a tattoo, it actually pushes more ink out. It has to say you probably lose the pigments in there. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, so we developed our own aftercare and we went same thing, went and did it the right way, found the expert and did it, you know, let's find out the right way to do it, you know. Yeah. Good stuff. Rick. You're awesome, bro. I, w- I wish I would have been in the same room with you while we did this. It's it's, it's horrible that we're only like 25 minutes apart right, right at the moment or 20 minutes away, but uh, that's right. We'll do it. We'll do it again. Let's do yeah. it again. Stuff, you know, no, we will. We'll, we'll, next time we talked about it next time we'll do, let's, let's have a tattoo happening in the background while we're doing let's it. Do it. We, we need yeah. to make that happen. Yeah. So that'd be I, cool. I, yeah. I, I think that would be awesome. Dude. Uh, how about this? The next one I'll be getting a tattoo. You. I'll yeah. get a tattoo and we'll do a podcast while happening. Okay. That's what we'll do. Okay. All right. That's, that'll right. be cool as hell. You, man. you might want to get some numbing cream then. Yeah. Listen, as long as it's not like on my chest or my ribs, I'll, yeah, you you're going to have to, you got to look tough. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get one. I have some spots that I can do them on that. This I, I've saved some. Yeah, that are the, I, not the, yeah. Yeah. I've got plenty of good ones left out. So, all right, guys, listen, uh, Rick Barnett, Fine Ink Studios. Uh, you guys can also go check out his stuff um, 
finding tattoo mentors on Instagram. You can go in there and uh, I'm sure there's ink as well as the studios and everything's probably on the Instagram. I don't actually Instagram very much myself, but uh, check them out on Instagram too. And guys, this is the journey of a new entrepreneur podcast coming to you from the no bitch zone studios. And I just want to say, guys, I appreciate you being here. And if you have not already done it, if you've not already chased the dream, I want you to remember the last thing that if you're not doing the things that you want to do in life, you better have a damn good reason for it. But if you're not pursuing those things, there's no good reason for it. Peace.